On the show today, we're talking about your spiritual journey and what that looks like in terms of seasons. So we'll be using winter, spring, summer, and fall as an example so that you can figure out where you're at in the journey of your life, but also how can you apply that to your entrepreneurial or leadership journey? And that looks like preparing, planting, tending, and harvesting. And this is really a fun conversation because my spiritual mentor will be on with us, and he's also a Sherpa, not a literal Sherpa. He's not climbing the Himalayas, but he's an assimilation Sherpa. So if you don't know much about Sherpas, you're in for a treat and you'll learn how you might want to be a Sherpa to the team that you're leading to. So stay with me. Hey there, you're listening to the Living a Limitless Life podcast. I'm Sharon Hughes, and on this show, we talk about mastering your mindset, growing your faith, and becoming the leader you want to be, with tips, strategies, and interviews to help you create a life you love. I'm really glad you're here. So come on, let's go. On today's show, I have a special guest with me, someone that has personally spoken into my life over the last five and a half years. He's a mentor. He's been just a tremendous leader to me. He's a speaker. He's a Christ follower, and he has quite the spin on how he does things. He's not your traditional out-of-the-bag Christian. He has an amazing workshop called Assimilation, and we're going to dive deep with Mr. Greg Curtis today. Welcome to the show, Greg. Oh, thanks so, so much. So excited to be here, Sharon. I'm so thankful. And here we are. It's the day before <laughs> Easter when pastors are typically super busy, busy because it's such a big weekend for the church. But here we are recording today. So thank you so much for carving out time. No problem. In my gig, it's Fridays and sa- Sundays on Easter weekend. So this is Saturday. Things were quiet. So things are <laughs> quiet for me. So I can squeeze this podcast in. That's awesome. Well, I've known you a really long time, and you have been a mentor to me. You've seen me at some of my darkest days, and I'm so grateful for that. That was one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on the show, is because I, I wanted to share from your vantage point what you saw in not just my life, but what you see all the time going on in people's lives and how we can reach people that are hurting. And then let's talk about your assimilation program um, where, we, where you talk about being a Sherpa. Okay. It's kind of a lot, but we're yeah, going to do it. Okay. I'm there with you. Where okay. do you want to start? Let, let's start with um, your, your point of view as, as being a pastor and having a lot of people come into your office that are hurting. You know, what does that look like when you're on the other side of, you know, the, the coffee table talking to people that are broken? Oh, my goodness. I, I, first off, I think uh, the empathy piece is big for me because my life has not been seamless. You know, I, I share with our church that... Um, in 1995, I, I lost my marriage. And mm-hmm. uh, that was a huge, uh, a, a huge thing for me, uh, but as a man, as a father, as a spiritual leader. And uh, uh, the miracle, which I still can't believe happened, is, you know, pretty much within a year and a half, my marriage was put back together with the same person, you know? Yeah. And uh, 
I, I, I'll be forever grateful for that. And I always say that I didn't know my marriage couldn't be improved. I needed a new one. So that one had to die. Mm. A very Easter-like story. Mm-hmm. But when that happens, that was such a huge um, uh, transforming moment in my life that uh, I realized one of the reasons it was so transforming is I got I had to get in tune with my brokenness. What was my mm-hmm. contribution to mm-hmm. it? And when you get in tune with your own brokenness and somebody comes through your office door or they come, or, or you see them in the hallways of, say, your weekend experience at church or, or you get a phone call, um, you're not the same when you realize, uh, 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 once you realize that you're the same as them. Mm-hmm. That they're the mm-hmm. same as you. They're just in that, uh, you know, a different place in that in that journey. But you've been there. Mm-hmm. And you realize you're just the same. And so, uh, I think a lot of it is is just having an ear um, that that knows. Yeah, I've heard I've heard this song before. I've heard this. I've been this. And just let me come alongside you. The empathy and understanding. Uh, goes so much farther than any words or counsel. In fact, we avoid giving counsel like crazy these days. You know how how th- things are with liabilities and legalities these days. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful thing is that it's just coming alongside and and and, and communicating from the heart and the mouth that mm-hmm. um, that you get this. I yeah, get it. and I'm sorry. You know, and we'll be there. Yeah, and that's a beautiful message. I I think a lot of people are afraid to come to their spiritual mentors and show that mm-hmm. they don't have it all together. Because traditionally, at least for, for me, when we went to church, you put on your Sunday best and that included your Sunday face, that everything yeah. was okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I know my experience with you, you really taught me like you do not need to do that. We're so huge on that at our church at building a culture where you come as you are, where I would like to think we build a culture where you you, I would like you to think that people are going to look at you funny if you put on a Sunday face. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the weird thing. It's mm-hmm. like, what? What? No, come on. You know? And uh, you know what I, I started thinking about when, when you asked me this question about helping people who are hurting, one of the things that has spoken to me a lot that I learned in my, you know, in one of my darkest uh, hours that I was mentioning earlier is, um, the whole concept that people are in a season. And I find that that, that that does two things when you talk to them about the, the seasons of life. One is it gives them words to describe where they're at, that they may not mm-hmm. have had. And for some reason, that's, uh, that gives people like handholds. It's of security. I'm not in the outer darkness that nobody's ever been in and that I can't define and therefore I can't do anything about. Right. When you, get, when you start to explain the seasons, um, that gives them some handholds, some definition. And the other thing it does is it gives them hope. Mm-hmm. Be, uh, so when I share about the seasons, you re, you may remember this, Sharon, um, is, uh, you know, I talk about the seasons of our world being much like the seasons of our spiritual journey, that mm-hmm. summer is a season of abundance and uh, fall is a season of change and winter is a season of loss. Mm-hmm. And spring is a season of new beginnings. Mm-hmm. And we go through that cycle over and over in life, just like the world does. And that that the deceiving thing is that we think that spring, especially if we live in places like Minnesota and in, in the north, the, mm-hmm. the far north, we think that spring comes to kick winter's butt. 
and to, to, to end winter, to vanquish winter. But the truth is, is that spring comes because of winter. Mm. New beginnings come because of the loss, not in spite of the loss. And, and that uh, w- when, you, when you think of, of how our earth, our world, you know, has a season of abundance and then it starts to move, you know, tilt away from the sun. And then um, that change causes those, those seeds to fall and die. And then you move into a season of loss and cold. Literally, that cold allows, uh, uh, brings moisture and it has it freeze at high elevation so that it's storage so that when the earth tilts again in spring, all that moisture comes down and hits those dead seas and bam, new life comes. Literally, spring comes because of winters and our new beginnings become because of losses. So I think sometimes when we help people who are hurting, talking about it in terms like seasons, that means, mm-hmm. hey, this isn't, this isn't the end of your life and it's not going to last forever, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think of Game of Thrones, winter's coming. You know, and winter comes every year, but guess what? Mm-hmm. Spring has, has followed winter every year for eons and it always will. Right. New beginnings always follow losses. And if we, we can help people get some definition of where they're at and have hope for what's next, I think mm-hmm. that helps people who are hurting a lot. Yeah. So if somebody was listening right now and they were really struggling, what would be an easy way that they could figure out what season they might be in so that they can have that hope of spring coming? Wow. That's a great question. Okay. Uh, <laughs> here I'm on the spot. I would say. Um, Obviously, I don't get to talk to a lot of of uh, hurting people if they're in summer. Yeah, right. That's a good point. Yeah, when people are experiencing abundance, you know, they're not knocking on my door other than for fun stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so if if things are going well, you're experiencing great things in your business, uh, great things in your relationship, great things in your connection with God, and inwardly, you're in summer. Um, if you are in a place of change. Um, that's your fall. And people have asked me and rightly so, well, what's spring is a time of change too. So what's the difference between fall and spring mm-hmm. and fall is, uh, it, it, number one, I would say that, that the change is coming after or because of a season of abundance. Okay. Whereas mm-hmm. spring is new beginnings of things you've never had that are following a loss. You know, mm-hmm. that's one, one easy way to do it. But sometimes we're, we're in a great career situation and, and we're in abundance and we get laid off. Right. That could be a change that's going to lead to a loss. Or we, um, we are in a season of abundance and, um, uh, you know, the change could be um, you're so successful, you buy a new home and move into a new neighborhood. But that change means I, I'm not as close to the, some great people that I had almost daily interactions with in my neighborhood that I happen to be really close to. Mm-hmm. Now I don't have that. That's mm-hmm. a change, and there's some loss associated with that. So mm-hmm. um, it's that kind of a change. Then uh, winter is is uh, I make it akin to brokenness. There's there's a loss. You may it could be the uh, a loss or almost like a death. It could be the death of a vision. Mm-hmm. It could be uh, uh, the it could be you, you know losing a home. It could mm-hmm. be losing a spouse. Mm-hmm. It could be through divorce or it could be through death. Mm-hmm. It could be uh, the loss of a child. It could be the the loss of a friendship. It could be the loss of a, a of an important habit or the loss of a certain kind of independence through a health situation. You lost a certain aspect of your health, but mm-hmm. whatever it is, it create it, it, it's big enough to create a season of of brokenness. Like things will do not and will not work 
the same as they did before. Right. And that brings us into a winter time. And winters, it's just like in California, you know, we have had times where there are winters that are very minimal. Mm-hmm. And then there are times, you know, we've had a pretty, pretty intense winter this year. Um, and so winters are like that. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they can be long, they could be short. Uh, mm-hmm. But they all have to do with that sense of I've lost something. I've lost an ability. I've lost a relationship. I've lost a dream. Um, yeah. And and then spring is is where it's an exciting time, but it's hard work because you're planting seeds like crazy. I see you right. particularly in a spring right now. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of, there's some new opportunities in front of you. It's a lot of work and you don't see all the return on the investment yet, but you look down the road and say, that's where I'm going. And right. so that's, that's kind of a characteristic of spring, if that helps. Yeah. People seem to um, go one of two ways. They either embrace change, they're like, we're ready, let's go, or they really dig in their heels and resist. So what advice maybe could you give to somebody that's really digging in their heels? Because I, I would speculate, and correct me if I'm wrong, that when you really resist change, doesn't it make the the change longer. So if you're resisting your winter and you're digging in, does it make chain make that winter longer? Like ground the groundhog fill the the groundhog is not going to emerge and say winter's over and spring's coming. Can that happen? That, that is an incredible insight, and I want to remember that because that's good. <laughs> that, that what I heard you say is the more that we resist change, does is it possible that that can make your loss more profound or your winter longer? And uh, I, I think that's definitely that's definitely possible because, in fact, I'm I'm dealing with a close relationship right now, um, trying to come alongside somebody who's who's going to about to go through and beginning to go through a pretty intense loss and mm. and um, because of that, uh, everything is going to change. And in, in this person's case, it's an economic one that's going to mean a lot of huge changes and some losses. That's rough. And yeah, it is. And in walking them through that and loving them through that, I can definitely see, and so does this person, she she sees that her unwillingness to move into the change has actually produced the kind of the um, the the severity of this winter. Mm. And uh and we saw that and and, I mean we've all loved people through that. We saw that we've been warning. Uh, this person for that for years, and sure enough, it's come, and and uh, because there was not a willingness to change, there was right. not a willingness to change, and so the change can an unwillingness to change can actually bring uh, a winter to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it actually yeah. can. Yeah, and people don't believe that. They think if I don't change, everything will remain the same. No, the weather's changing, mm-hmm. and things are changing, and yeah. It's only going to be your experience and what happens to you in in that season, but the season will come. Mark my words. Yeah, and I think that that resistance to change it's you know obviously fear based because we like to know what to expect around the corner, right? So when we don't know and all these changes are coming, we can get really afraid and tend to think, well, if I just ignore it long enough, it'll either go away or you know, no, winter will be short, spring will come and I'll be good to go. You know what, what it means, you're exactly right. And I see that happening. And I wonder what occurs to me, I wonder if those of us who grew up in the suburbs and in urban areas, um, or in areas like, you know, we both live in Southern California. So 
you know, we're not in tune with the farming culture, the ag based mm -hmm. cultures that people mm -hmm. have lived in for eons. And if you're a farmer, you don't have a choice about this. That's true. You don't do it. You don't honor the seasons. You don't eat. Okay. Right. Yeah, right. And, and you don't make money and you don't store, you don't supply and you don't whatever. So I think it's almost like we have to become inwardly uh, farmers. We need to think like farmers. We need to think like sowers and reapers. Mm -hmm. and, and we have to wear that mentality, not necessarily these other constructs that we put together as we create societies that, that mm -hmm. feel independent. But you know what? Somebody's planting our food and somebody's harvesting it. We're so far removed from that now right. that we don't even think like, we don't even think of the necessity of life as yielding into these seasons. We right. think we're independent of them and we surely are not. Yeah. And I think that also people tend to, because of the world we live in, everything's so instant. It's so microwave quick. <laughs> they want to plant and they want to harvest like in the same season, like in the same week. They're like, come on, come on, come on. What's, you know, why is it taking so long? Okay. You just, you just <laughs> set me up for something cool here. Okay, uh, good. <laughs> you and I both share uh, a, a tremendous and awesome lead pastor in Gene Apple. We do. Yes. And something Gene Apple will share when we try, when we help other churches and, and, and build and pour into other pastors is he, he will say this, and it's so relevant to what you're saying right now, Sherry, is that um, there are four stages in, in when we're building something. And if we look at it like a farmer, the first stage is preparing the soil. Mm -hmm. A lot of work. It's plowing. It's, you know, weeding, removing rocks and obstacles. You know, it's preparing right. the soil. The mm -hmm. second is planting the seed. And the third is just tending, mm -hmm. tending to the crop as it's growing. You know, there could be pesticides. There's, you know, the making sure the water is, is right and checking on everything, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then the fourth is the harvest. Mm -hmm. He always says to pastors, but I bet this is true of most of us, is that as spiritual leaders, we love to plant the seeds. Mm -hmm. We love to plant those seeds in people of truth and talk about the, the harvest that's going to come as we plant it. We love to reap the harvest. Who does it? What we don't like to do as people and as mm -hmm. leaders is we don't <laughs> like to prepare the soil right? and we don't like to tend to it as it's growing. Yes. We love the seed planting and the harvesting. But I'm telling you, you've got to, like like uh, in my in my line of work and ministry, which is 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 uh, serving faith communities and building churches and that kind of thing, is is you've got to prepare people's hearts for change. Mm -hmm. You've got to prepare them for the new seed that's being planted for the right. for the for the new um, uh, for the for the new beginning, and you have to bring consensus and vision and ownership. You've got to prepare before you plant that seed so that they're ready and they feel the need and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes we, we don't have the patience for that and we just move to seed planting and there's all kinds of other things already in the soil. So they're going to get choked out or they're going to get competed with or they're just not going to get owned. And then the, all that tending to make sure that these seeds that are planted actually get fully mature and can produce fruit, mm -hmm. produce a crop. Uh, that, there's a lot of work in that. And we've got to own and think like egg-based cultures to navigate these seasons well because there are four, four tasks there. Yeah, and uh, we can't just do the ones that that are fun, <laughs> or the ones we like. We got to do them all. That's such a truth, and you know, it's not just that way. Of course, in um, in churches, that's that is the course of action for entrepreneurs Absolute. and for relationships to oh, grow and heal. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. You're so right. Oh, I love that. Dropping some truth 
F-bombs today, Greg. <laughs> so you know what I want to talk about now is you're, you're climbing the Assimilayas program. Because we talk about that every now and then when I see you at church. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's really taken off. You, you use the analogy of being a Sherpa. So for somebody that doesn't know what a Sherpa is, could you explain that before we get into the program and what it entails? Yeah. Well, it it all, this metaphor came by accident. I was reporting on our first year of what we were doing when I came back to Eastside. I had been a part of a church plan to Eastside. I was leading that church. And then um, both churches were experiencing facility issues. So we re-merged the churches after 27 years at a Mm. campus location in between them. And Gene gave me a blank slate for creating an assimilation strategy, think a connection strategy for new people. And boy, did we need it. And I did not know what was about to happen because when we combined the churches, we were about 3,200 in attendance. And um, here we are six and a half years later, and we're running, you know, a little under uh, on a a non-holiday weekend, a little under 8,000 to 11,000 on a weekend. Mm -hmm. And and Christmas, 24,000. This Easter will be interesting to see, but probably around 15,000. And so there's tons of guests, tons of new people, tons of people who are hurting, like you mentioned, tons of people who are seeking, tons mm-hmm. of people who maybe aren't, but then are confronted with, with life on grander terms and mm-hmm. bigger terms. And so connecting them needed a strategy. So I had this blank slate and um, I put together a strategy and then reported it that first year. And I used a Prezi presentation some mm-hmm. of your listeners may, might know that if they do uh, uh, presentations in their line of work. Yeah. And that, it's kind of interactive and it moves around. And they had a template that was like a Mount Everest. And it showed that the summit was your goal. Mm-hmm. And so our summit was a, a, a connected serving member of our faith community. That, that's the, that was the summit. To, how connected means that they have a small group of friends here. Uh, serving means they're a volunteer and they're, they're elbow to elbow in their gifting, giving to mm-hmm. others. And then remember that they have this sense that God brought them here and has connected them to us. So that was the summit. And we had these different like benchmarks and different um, things that we had built in the strategy to get them there. So I was reporting on it and I made this joke. I said, basically, we're, we're all Sherpas helping other people climb the Assimilayas. I said that got a big laugh. I thought it was uh-huh. hopefully it was all get out, but it got traction. Mm-hmm. And so I started to look up Sherpas and find mm-hmm. out what does it mean to be a Sherpa if they're liking this, this coming alongside a person and and helping them make the climb because what I discovered is that we all think if you're part of a church if you're part of a faith community you feel like connecting with your community because you're connected and that's mm-hmm. the lens you see through you feel like it's a coast hey, if they want to connect we're all here we're open armed yeah but uh, it's not a coast it's a climb for people mm-hmm. who are outside of it and mm-hmm. they need a sherpa to help them um, make that climb. So I started looking into Sherpas and seeing how they, they literally have a physiology that is different than us. Like right. uh, one of them has, has climbed uh, Everest in 10 hours and 10 minutes. <laughs> and so how long would it typically take a normal human to climb that? Just to I, give the contrast well, to the audience. It's, it's so, the, I don't think that you can answer that because of weather and mm-hmm. people's stamina and fitness. Okay. And you always have to take different routes. It's more of a, it's, it's almost like playing a sport. Okay. So it's, it's, it's like, a, a, you know, saying how long would it take somebody in football to make a touchdown? Well, it depends on what team you're playing, what the, you know, what you're, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of stuff. But uh, so it's, it's, but, but it's, but I can tell you it ain't 10 hours. 
<laughs> and, and they, uh, but literally they have uh, the way their heart beats and their blood is thinner, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like literally they, they can breathe their, their lung capacity. It's crazy because they live above, I think they live at the 14,000 foot level. That's where they wow. live, right? Wow. So um, I think connectors, Okay. whether your listeners are, are in businesses where connections are rich or, or they're in spiritual leadership like I do or faith communities, connectors are Sherpas. They're, they're built a little differently than other people. Right. They're wired a little, like they look at people and they see, they're, they're way makers. They can see the path, which, which path is best for them to take given their stamina, the stamina of that person they're leading in the climb is, mm-hmm. their, their fitness level, and what the weather is like ahead. And I so like they, that. They, they, they pick a, a route and also they don't, um, they don't make the climb for them. They'll carry some of the stuff that that person has to carry too. They're, they're more coming alongside and resourcing. They're the expert, but they can't make the climb. You never see a Sherpa with a climber on their back. Ever. Right. Right. And here's the other, one thing I love about this whole Sherpa thing is um, when you see somebody like on Jimmy Kimmel, a celebrity who climbed Everest, mm-hmm. They, they're saying, wow, how was that? How'd you do it? They never think they're Sherpa. They never said I did because you can't go up there without a Sherpa. You yeah. So they never do that. And I think that's a characteristic of a Sherpa is the Sherpa lets those that they're leading in the climb be the hero, not them. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. And I think that those of us who want to connect people to whether we're connecting them to God, connecting them to other people, we're networking and making resources. They are the heroes, not you as the connector. And I just mm. think that's a great lesson from Sherpas that we need to learn. And so that's why I, I as I've ended up calling, um, you know, my, my, my coaching uh, network and, and my ministry, even outside of what I do at this church, uh, climbing the Assimilates is because I love this, this ideal of a mm-hmm. Sherpa. Uh, I love it. Yeah, boy, that that last comment of letting them be the hero is just so mm. deep, so deep. What a takeaway. Mm, good. So if somebody wanted to work with you, do you only offer that program in a faith-based format or do you go into companies and present that as well? It's interesting you say that. Uh, right now, it's only in a faith-based uh, format. But um, I have been asked, you know, out to lunch by different companies and have talked about, uh, because some of the principles are Mm -hmm. universal. Right. And I think it's more about creating processes um, for connection that um, are actually very user-friendly for those you want to connect Mm -hmm. and are automated. Mm, And how can they be automated so that you're, uh, you know, like... um, and by automated, I, I think, and user-friendly, one of the things that I hate, like when you call a company and you're, you're in a maze of um, voicemail and mm-hmm. you have to give the same information three, four times, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, and the last time is when you're actually talking to a live person, say, why aren't they storing this? You know, like, is creating processes that make connection easy and mm-hmm. that make, um, uh, in, in the case of a company, customers feel served and helped right. and aided by what you're offering. Uh, so I have done a little bit of that. I have no packages for that. That's kind of on a, what I have on my website is a contact mm-hmm. me um, mm-hmm. page and they can uh, email me through that uh, with, I'd fill out some, uh, you know, a couple boxes that would uh, let me know that they're looking for that and I can come up with something to help because I have done it, but I don't offer it as a prepaid package because most of mine of what I do is, is with churches literally around the world. Yeah. 
yeah, you're traveling more and more. Yeah. And of course, because of, you know, the internet, we're living in the internet age. I, I, one of the churches that I am so excited about that, that is just being planted this weekend. They're opening this weekend, I believe is a, a church started by um, some incredible uh, followers of Jesus who are millennials uh, who live across the street from the mosque shooting in, in Christchurch, New Zealand. Wow. And I've been helping, helping them um, uh, actually through my video course or through some Skyping and whatever, just, uh, uh, and even some networking to hopefully get some uh, support to start this thing, you know, uh, resources right. to start it. So uh, because the need there, because of what happened is it's now they weren't going to start the church for a year, but it's become apparent that the time is now, you know, it's time wow. to now. Isn't that so, amazing? Yeah. So it, th- those are the kind of things I get to do. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm one of the most fortunate men in the world. I just love what I do. <laughs> yeah. I love it too. So I'm going to have everything linked up down below in the show notes. So if somebody wants to take your video course, it's called Climbing the Assimilayas. That will be linked below. You can follow Greg on Instagram, Greg Curtis underscore CTA. Of course, that will be linked. But mainly, you want to land on his website, gregcurtis-assimilation.com. He has some free resources, and you can connect with him. Wow, Greg, I can't wait to see what you do next. Honestly, you know, it's, it's been so fun. <laughs> as you, it is fun. I mean, it is fun. I can't even believe I get to do this. I, I, as you were, were talking about my website, I thought I'd mention um, to your listeners that what I do there is I, I post, I also have a blog on it. Mm-hmm. And the blog feature, I post what I learn, like some of the seasons, I like I'll post things as they, as they hit me. And then I learn either from success or failure. Mm. And I'll, it's usually in around 600 word posts, but then it always begin at the end has this little thing to chew on while we climb. Yeah. And so you can share these posts with your team and it has discussion questions then so they can read it and say, come to the, to the meeting and we're going to discuss these questions so that it, it just helps build thinking on being mm-hmm. connectors. And yeah. uh, so that's, that's part of the resource of the website too, that I wanted to underscore. I love that. This conversation has been so great. I think it's really helped people that listen to the show that don't necessarily have a home church and they feel intimidated to show up at church because they might feel like they've got to have it all together. And I know our pastor, Gene Apple, always says, it's okay not to be okay. Yes. And one of the things I say from a Sherpa standpoint, from my part in our in our ministry and strategy is you belong before you believe. I and, love that. Mm. And that is a really important, uh, important thing, um, which, which ties into it's okay to not be okay. But sometimes people are okay and they find their, themselves there. But people need, in, just like in a family, the baby belongs before it believes what the parents believe and behaves mm-hmm. like the parents want them to behave. Mm-hmm. Uh, a healthy child has to grow up where they belong first, ahead of time. You don't withhold belonging until they behave like you want them to and believe what you want them to. Unless you're a church historically in our culture, right? That's not how they work. Well, at our church, we have built a whole different thing. You, we, we, uh, we have people who are atheists and Buddhists serving in, our, in some of our volunteer positions. They don't even share our faith paradigm. But we have a certain, a certain amount of, uh, like a third of our volunteer positions. They're, they're the kind of service where it doesn't matter what you believe. Just come and, and be elbow to elbow with us as we are serving each other in Jesus' name and, and following Jesus together. And, and then, of, of course, the other positions you have to know more about Jesus or be at a different place in your spiritual journey. 
uh, by nature of how those those functions, especially if they're leadership uh, positions. But we, you have to create a community where people can belong, just like a family, before they believe. And you treat them with, with that kind of love and dignity. You, you don't wait till they've crossed some kind of a line. They, right. They're a human being. And in our faith paradigm, we believe that Jesus, especially this weekend as we talk about Easter, that Jesus died for every human being. So we're never mm-hmm. going to run into a person that we don't believe Jesus gave his life for. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we're never going to run into a person that we don't believe that God's spirit somehow drew them to our, our church or your campus or your faith community. And so they belong. They belong. And you, you treat them like that from the get-go. And I think that that's a real difference maker in creating an atmosphere of, co- of connection. I wonder what that would mean in businesses too. I don't know, but that's a fun thing to explore. So oh, we'll have that. to talk about that off the air. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure yeah. it out. Uh-huh. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Greg. I'm going to leave with this. You belong before you believe. What a beautiful picture. And once again, everything will be linked below in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me, Greg. No problem. Thanks for having me. So, hey, friends, what did you learn? Did you figure out where you are on your spiritual journey or how you might be able to apply the four seasons to where you're at in life and what you're going through? I hope you found value. And if you did, please comment and share this so that others can find the same value that you did. Once again, everything is going to be linked below in the show notes. And until next time, I wish you every good thing.